Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. Welcome to another um, exciting episode of SFP Now. Uh, a bit later on in the show, we have an interview with Jamie Gray Hyder, um, who, who, who plays Danielle in the popular HBO series True Blood. So we've quite literally here got an interview with a werewolf. Uh, but before we get to that, um, I'd like to welcome Ty to the show. Um, we're going to be going over some some of uh, the last week's, you know, interest, mo- 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 you know, some of last week's more interesting news stories. And now, last week in news. Hey, Ty, how you doing? Hey, good, Ian. Thank you, as always, for having me on uh, our, our podcast. Oh, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure to have you. It's great to have you back. Um, I know that you've got to uh, attend your son's basketball game in a minute, so we, we're going to try and get through this as quickly as, ca- quickly as we can. Uh, you're very, very lucky to have me still here because um, I, I, I literally interviewed a werewolf last week and I survived. I, how awesome. Did you say, I mean, in person or was it over the phone? Because I could see how that could have been dangerous. Uh, it was over the phone, but th- th- those werewolves, you know, once they stick their tongues out, th- those tongues can travel, you know? Yeah. I bet. Well, I'm glad that we still have you around, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm. She she had quite nice ears, though. Got to admit. Uh, for a werewolf. Yeah, you know, <laughs> for a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so I can. Um, I want to kick off with a bit of a dot who news. It's dot who ring eight. Yeah. Um, last Friday, um, you know, it's Friday now, obviously, you know, when, when, when the show goes out, it'll be Friday, but last weekend, uh, saw the, uh, unveiling of the reconstructed TARDIS console, um, which is going Ooh. to be used in the, in the new BBC biopic, biopic, uh, an adventure in time and space. Yeah. Um, you know, they they, 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 they basically they basically posted a picture of it. BBC Worldwide posted a picture of it, and it's so like it, it's a um, full colour. And I'd say it looks it looks pretty nice. You know, so yeah. it's really. I, 
saw the picture. Yeah, looks really nice. Um, and basically, uh, basically, um, an adventure in time and time and space will star Harry Potter actor David Bradley in the role of the first Doctor, um, Doctor Who, and actor, you know, actor William Hartnell. So he's going to be playing William Hartnell. But interestingly, there's going to be a few cameos in this uh, in this thing from from a uh, original series stars uh, William Russell, who played Ian Chesterton, um, and uh, Jacqueline. Uh, who was it now? Uh, who was it now? It was. Uh, I'm trying to remember the. <laughs> and Jacqueline. I'm following Hill. your lead on this one. <laughs> yeah. It was it was Jacqueline Hill, so they got they got um you know sort of like uh, Jacqueline Hill won't, won't won't be appearing in it because she died many years ago, but right. um but basically the the original nine up was uh, William Hartnell in uh, William Hartnell William Russell as a uh, Ian Chesterton Jacqueline Hill as Barbara and Carol Ann right. Ford um, as the Doctor's granddaughter Susan. Now Carol Ann Ford and William Russell actually have cameos in this thing, so they're going to be appearing. That's fun. Uh, William, That's fun. William Russell will be playing a. Um, um, you know, I think I think he, I think he's going to be playing a you know he's playing a character called Harry, <laughs> um, and I think I think he's a janitor or something. I'm not sure. Uh, but, <laughs> well, well Carol Ann Ford's going to be playing 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 um, the role of Joyce. Um, now I'm I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure where where they fit into this. Uh, I mean, for all we know, because we don't we know so little about this thing at the moment. Yeah, they they, they yeah. could be a couple of old codgers that have been working with the BBC for years, and they're sort of reminiscing about when they shot Doctor Who or something like that. Yeah, you know, they they could. Either be. way, that sounds fun. So you know, we don't know how it's how it's going to be played out. Um, but J- Jamie Glover's going to be playing, you know, going to. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. William Russell's going to be played by an actor called Jamie Glover, while Carol Ann Ford is to be played by uh, Claudia Grant. And rounding out that is um, is Gemma Powell, um, who who will be playing, uh, you know, who who will be playing that, you know, who will be playing Jacqueline Smith. So. It looks like fun, but I just had to mention the console. Yeah, that sounds awesome, the console. I love it. You know, speaking of Doctor Who, I saw some uh, great photos of uh, uh, the the Prince of Wales uh, and his, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I forget exactly, you know, what her her title is. But uh, visiting visiting the set uh, with Matt Smith and what have you, uh, I thought that was absolutely, you know, just a a lot of fun. You know, he's holding a sonic screwdriver. I mean, you know the photos I'm talking about now. Yeah, I do know the photograph. They actually, um, you know, I, 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 I neglected to run it last last week, but there's a reason for that. I'm not a fan of the royal family. So, oh, is that right? Even <laughs> if they're even if they're mixing with Doctor Who and stuff like that, you know, it's not really a big event in my life. Um, you know, I got you. Well, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe as a as a see see the reason I bring it up is because um, I turned it into a. <laughs> A Galactic Inquirer uh, 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 article. Now, it turns out that uh, you know that that uh, they've sanctioned Doctor Who, and so the Doctor is actually somehow working with you know the British government now. And much like the U.S. is talking to the Taliban, well, the British government is now talking to you know the Daleks and 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 uh, uh, you know and and all their bad guys from the Doctor Who universe. Um, so quite a bit of controversy was uh, was stirred up by that, mm-hmm. uh, as I understood it when I was uh, off planet last. So I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was interesting. <laughs> so so basically, the Doctor's been given a pardon, Ben. What was that? The Doctor's being given a pardon, Ben. Uh, apparently, so. 
you, you do you do know that he that that he's a wanted man by the British government because uh, Queen Victoria put a price on his head. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah this is what this is where you have to watch your continuity. You see. <laughs> Uh, well, you she... know, the funny thing is when you're off-world, stuff, you know, you, you get different stories, you know, and I, I, and I, I think it was, it wasn't a Ferengi, because my, my Ferengi contact gave me my last, uh, my last story, but I think it was, I, uh, 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 I think it was, uh, it wasn't a Klingon, and I think it was an Andorian, and they're not very trustworthy either, you know, always calling me a pink skin, I was quite offended, to be quite honest, yeah, so yeah, I'm but... going to have to follow up with, with get a different source. And, uh, and and find the real spin behind that one. But I'm glad I haven't posted it. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to you need to sort you need to sort those suckers out because they're, they're sending you misinformation there because Queen Victoria <laughs> put a price on the doctor's head, and that was the whole reason Torchwood was set up in order to sort of like uh, in order to sort of like curtail the alien threat. You know? Right. Ah, see yeah. those darn Andorians. You know what are you gonna do? Yeah, but but you know while while that was all going on, you know what what isn't explained in 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 the whole continuity of the thing is the doctor was actually working with unit. <laughs> <laughs> and would get a hold of him, so that, that's... now you know some of this might be disinformation as well. So you know, again, I'm gonna have to, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I have a, I'm, I have a trip planned to uh, 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 the, uh, you know, that that secret station, that secret uh, 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 Earth station on the moon, which is the jumping point between uh, Earth and a whole bunch of other civilizations that nobody really talks about. I can't say too much more, but I'm going there in August, and I'm gonna get the skinny on it i'll let you know everybody stay tuned well more to come on this <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, mo- moving on, moving on from 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 uh, fun and frogics in time and space. Stangy <laughs> um, um, is back on the scene again. You know, he, he, I think you recall that he he he, um, he spent some time in hospital earlier in this earlier this year, which um, yeah, you know, concerned yeah. many people uh, because he's usually very very hyperactive in in the community. Well, he, he really is. He, yeah. He's uh, he seems to be hyperactive once more because not only is he going to be at Baltimore Comic Con in a few few weeks' time, or has that happened already? Um, but you know, Baltimore. He, I don't think so. I'm he, not sure. Uh, I think it's in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but ba- basically, he's he's, um, he's he's come out and said that he's confident that we'll see a Silver Surfer movie. Um, and Which a Silver Surfer movie? I'll quote I heard about that. I I I, I saw that. And, hmm, okay, I mean, that might not be so bad. I mean, they're doing Guardians of the Galaxy and, you know, Thanos and the next Avengers. It kind of ties in with the space theme. Who knows? Mm. Well, basically, this is what he says. says, back at Marvel, they are, they are frantically looking for what is next on, you know, net, next. On, they're frantically looking at what is the next one they're going to do, Neat told MTV Geek um, at, um, at WizardCon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there is no way they won't eventually do a Silver Surfer movie. It may not be for a few years because they are thinking and working on Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, everything we we have, and the fans seem to want all of them, but they'll get around to a Silver Surfer feature because he's a wonderful character. Uh, As as both you and I know, the the character was last seen in the uh, poorly received Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, you know? 
um, where, in which Doug Jones portrayed the character, while Lawrence Fishbone provided uh, the voice to the character. But, right. you know, the thing is, it, it will be a few years, because um, they basically the rights to the Silver Surfer are still with 20th Century Fox. So, <laughs> so before Marvel can get a hold of it, they're going to wait, right. you know, they're gonna have to wait for the rights to revert back to them. Yeah, I wonder if that is more... You know, Stan Lee talking, uh, his gut and, you know, what he'd like to see or, you know, how much of that is inside information. I mean, obviously that man must have some inside information, but, uh, I mean, you raise a good point. Rights issue is a huge issue. I mean, nothing will happen, uh, you know, with, with it because of the rights issue until you fix, until you figure that out. And, I mean, we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, uh, uh, who knows if there's another Iron Man movie, but, you know, we know that Captain America has to come out. What about Ant-Man that's, you know, somewhere in the mix? I mean, we're already out a few years, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, so I don't know that... Other than Stan Lee saying that, uh, we're years away from the next... I mean, we've got to see these movies happen before more more movies get greenlit. I mean, if if for some reason these movies are a flop, there's not going to be any green light. I don't see that happening with Captain America and Avengers. Hopefully, Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be a good movie, but uh, there's not going to be a Silver Surfer movie if we see a few bombs, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's see what happens. But... Might not be a bad idea. It might be fun. Well, you know, the thing is, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie might work work out because if you remember, it was quite a big chance uh, they took. You know, doing the first Iron Man movie because Iron Man was, you know, he, you know, in terms of comic book fans, yeah, but in terms of the mainstream, Iron Man is not as well known as say Spider Man or Superman or Batman. Sure. You know, sure. well, I mean, now he is. You know, but uh, but uh, I mean, I mean, I think you're right. You know, a successful Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, who knows? You know, at the end of a Gal Guardians of the Galaxy movie, you always get these cameos, you get these other scenes. Who knows? Maybe we're gonna, you know, I can easily see, you know, uh, if we're out in space and we're dealing with a bad guy, it would it would not be uh, uh, it, it would be easy. To, uh, to see how the Silver Surfer could fit into something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got Nova. The Nova Corps are going to be in the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I mean, I just don't see why you might not have. Um, who knows? Maybe he's going to be, if the Guardians of the Galaxy is a, is a successful movie, if there's a Guardians of the Galaxy 2, boom, perfect to uh, to fit the Silver Surfer in, you know? Okay, well, um, this is, a um, you know, this, this, moving, moving on again to the, the last, uh, last thing I have, uh, is uh, basically uh, Nanton City's illustrated novel, Rise, is to release worldwide at Comic-Con on July 19th. Have you heard of Nanton City time? Uh, no, I haven't. I'll tell you what it is. Nanton City is a project that Bruce Botsneitner from Tron and Babylon Ooh. 5 is doing with, um, with producer Trevor Crafts. Um, it's, you know, it's basically a, a proposed television series or, or a series of miniseries or even movies, and it's set in 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 a in, in a world called Nanton City, which where everything is sort of like steampunk. The technology is oh. steampunk oh. and and stuff like that. And um, it's it's very very political, as in you got sort of like four four different classic you know systems. And the the, um, the the story centers on two people from Earth who wind up uh, somehow transported to Nanton City. And they're they're kind of like living amongst the uh, amongst the different classes of people, but um, yeah, Nanton City is a very harsh environment, uh, we should say. 
Um, and basically, uh, Rise is a collaboration between uh, between sorry, is Rise is a collaboration between Bruce Botsnight and Trevor Crafts and uh, Arthur Matthew James Daly. Um, and you know, with with artists from sets uh, from from section studios, the illustrated novel will be sold in retail and online stores beginning July nineteenth, and will be available for purchase at Comic Con International San Diego from Friday July nineteenth ah. through Saturday July twentieth. Uh, pre-sale is available now for $29.95 plus shipping and handling at www.nantoncitytv.com forward slash rise. Um, This is what they have to say about it. During the development of Lantern City, we wanted to give our fans a way to learn more about the story behind the series before it's broadcasted on television, stated Trevor Crafts, co-creator and executive producer of Lantern City. Matt, Bruce and I, with the brilliant minds of of, of Section Studios, decided to create Lantern City's first illustrated novel to tell the beginning of the story, and Rise was born. So, there we go. Yeah. Well done. And, um, you know, every time I go to a convention, steampunk is everywhere. And so I think it's probably smart to jump on, for someone to finally be jumping on a steampunk, uh, you know, ship. Uh, there is an undertone within the fan base. People love steampunk. And uh, I got to be honest, it's got a great look and a great feel to it. You know, high technology along with uh, yesteryear, uh, it, 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 I think it's smart for someone to jump on this. So, mm-hmm. you know, Bruce Boxlider, great name, you know. Uh, hopefully the production has the right value, and I wish him luck. That'd be, you know, that'd be some great sci-fi to... Uh, I'd love a good sci-fi series, a steampunk sci-fi series to, well, to sink my teeth into. It's happening. It's actually happening. Um, I, they, they've actually got, got this thing cast already, more or less. Um, John Reese davis is going to be in it. Oh, all right. Um, Myra Fernand. Well, hopefully it's good, huh? <laughs> Myra Fernand from Babylon Five is going to be in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. As well as um, oh god, I can't remember his name, but I, I actually interviewed Bruce Botsnight in the last year about this. Um, and the interview. He's a nice actually, guy. He is a, a really nice, big tall guy. I'm not a big tall guy. I'm a, I'm a short guy, but he's a big tall guy. But he's really, really nice. Um, I'm going to shore leave 35 in August. I did the program book cover for it. And I was at Shore Leave, oh gosh, by probably a decade ago. And Bruce Boxleider was there. And uh, I'm walking down the down the hallway to some event. It's after uh, after uh, after the floor had closed. It's the evening festivities. And lo and behold, I see Bruce Boxleider, you know, walking towards us. But he's walking at a fast clip, you know. Mm-hmm. And me and my buddy say, you know, jokingly, I said something like, "Captain," you know, and he and he looks at me and he goes. He, he said something funny like troops or something like that. You know, acknowledge. He has got a great sense of humor about him. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and he goes and he says hi, but he's in a rush and he's going by and he's he's going by really fast. And he says, "Can't stop, can't stop. I've got some uh, I've got some women running after me." And I, you know, jokingly, I'm like, "Well, Captain, we can help you with that." And he's like, "You haven't seen the size of these women." And lo and behold, they were some pretty beautiful large women. Beautiful women, beautiful, beautiful large women, but large <laughs> anyway great guy he's a really 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 fun mm-hmm. guy I mean I like him a lot love his work yeah, well, love he, him and everything he's, he's done he's actually uh, he's actually written Lantern City with Trevor Crafts and, and this other guy so it's, it's actually a full on collaboration 
Um, and when I spoke to him last year, we spoke for, on the phone for over an hour about this thing. As well as wow. some of his other yeah. roles and stuff like that, he gave me yeah. some. He gave me decent time. He's, he's a lovely fellow. Oh yeah. Um, so I must rerun the interview at some point, um, just to sort of remind people about Lantern City because I think it's worth rerunning. So if we still, ah, sounds like it. If we yeah, still he's got a very it. generous man. I really enjoyed that about him. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a. Um, you know, I just thought he was a really, really nice guy, and I enjoyed my time speaking with him. Absolutely, um, we even agree with you more. We even touched on the subject of uh, Ernest Borgnine's passing as well in the interview. Yeah, alleged. So, yeah, that, that that that's someone I would have loved to have interviewed. Is Ernest Borgnine? Oh, me too. Uh, oh, me too. Mark that. did. Mark Lee. So, uh, you know, maybe we can get Mark to uh, talk about it or write on it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Um, so um, before we before we finish up the news, because we've been going for about twenty minutes, um, I believe you want to very quickly talk about uh, Nanda the Lost. You've been doing some great features on Sci-Fi Pulse, but not about about that. Oh, thank you, and 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 yes, um, you know, Land of, when I was a kid, Land of the Lost was you know that was probably the epitome of my Saturday morning, you know. Uh, experience and not nowadays nowadays there's cartoons everywhere but when i was a kid you know maybe there were cartoons in the morning maybe there were cartoons in the afternoon a little bit but other than that you only got cartoons on saturdays now not only cartoons but there were live action shows land of the lost by sid and marty croft land of the lost was in my mind the best of the best live action shows when I was a kid just fired up my imagination. Just, you know, took me along with them. I loved singing that intro song. I loved everything about that show. And it was just, you know, I just got such wonderful memories as a child. So uh, I'm at Galacticon and I finally, finally was able to meet uh, Cassie Coleman, who played Holly. Mm-hmm. Wonderful girl. We've spoken about this. Um, you know, she calls me uh, because I wrote an article on Sci-Fi Pulse, and she loved it, and, and people were very gracious about it, and, and 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 it was well received apparently. And she called me personally and thanked me. While we're talking, she tells me that the cast is getting back together. Everybody is is going to visit. They found Spencer Mulligan, you know, Milligan, and they're going to visit him. Oh my gosh, I was so excited. So you know, lo and behold, as we get closer to it, especially Wesley Ewer, I think that's how we pronounce his name. But anyway, Wesley. He's been the one who's been quite uh, prolific about, you know, writing about it on his Facebook page. And uh, so on Friday, uh, everybody everybody flew out to, uh, I want to say Milwaukee. And then they met on Saturday. They got in a little white van uh, that, you know, had Land of the Lost written on it. They had a production crew and a film crew. And they drove something like 500 miles and they finally arrived, and apparently, you know, um, uh, Cassie Coleman, Wesley, Philip Paley, who was Chaka, uh, you know, of course, Wesley is Will, uh, Will Marshall, met uh, Spencer M- Milligan, now, and, and it was apparently just uh, 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 an amazing coming home for, for everyone. They all loved it. And, and you know, to read uh, Wesley's um, uh, posts on Facebook, you know, what a glorious day, he said. It was absolutely amazing. You know, they, they sat down, they read all of uh, the, the Facebook posts. A lot of people posted. A lot of people were following it. And uh, and, and, it, and, and it, it was the exception of Cassie, who, as she told me when, 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 you know, we went out for dinner in a group uh, when we were in Texas, she said, you know, we haven't seen him for years and years. She 
he did he did take her apparently out to dinner for her 18th birthday. Wow! But apart from that, uh, when she was 18, that was the last time she had seen him. And uh, you know, uh, Philip uh, Bailey, Jack, and, and Wesley, you know, Will, they hadn't seen him since he left the show season two. 38 years. It was 38 years. Damn. And so you know, the the I mean, just amazing, you know. And and uh, you know, if you think about it, the euphemism is it's like well. The Marshall family finally came home, you know, from the land of the lost. And if you're a geek and a and a and a and a, and a kid who grew up on it, who was really, really, really influenced by it, you can't help but, you know, in, in that in that you know special kind of way, if, if it was your show, to get a little moved by it, you know, and and to to, to see the symmetry in, yeah, you know, the the the, the, the crystals finally aligned for them. They finally uh, were able to step through the pylon and they made it home. And uh, and the pictures were beautiful. Uh, everybody was just smiling. And what's even cooler, not cooler, but what's very cool is, you know, if, if you look back at the episodes, you'll see uh, Will Marshall, Wesley's character, had, well, they had this red duffel bag, or not duffel bag, but backpack. He has it still, and it was there with him. And, and anyway, so, you know, the cast... Reunited after 38 years, Land of the Lost, finally come home. Hooray, wonderful. I, I so enjoyed writing the article. Um, I got an email from uh, Wesley today um, telling me, Ty, you know, beautiful article, wonderful, thank you so much. He said he even uh, shared it with uh, Sid and Marty Croft and and one of the one of he, he moved it sent it on forward to you know one of the creators and you know uh, uh, I, I've had a little contact with him and, you know aside from it that being very cool for you know me having written the article for Sci-Fi Pulse having having put it out there just as a fan you know uh, it was kind of special for me and I loved it I, I just absolutely loved it and uh, the images were beautiful and today he posted another image from it and uh, it's just nice that they got together and and uh, you know Facebook allowed uh, not just them to tell us what was going on but kind of allowed the fans who were following it because I was you know every hour or so I was clicking to see if there was if the picture had come through had they met yet <laughs> and so uh, uh, you know apparently they sat down with Spencer and then and the four of them read through the the the, uh, the posts and and the and, and, and all of the fans posting and what have you. And even I posted a few things there, you know. So, it, 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 and, and Wesley was, was uh, very, uh, made a point of, of, uh, of letting the fans know that everybody was, that we were a part of it along with them. And that, you know, that's just special. So, it, it was absolutely wonderful. And it is nice to know that, that, uh, the, the, the fans of the show, uh, were kind of, kind of there with them as they all got together again. And, 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 and the show's kind of, it kind of came full circle in a weird way. So, it was just absolutely Absolutely wonderful. It was. Uh, I had a blast writing it, and uh, I had a blast, uh, 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 you know, looking at the at the pictures and when and knowing that it was going to happen it was just absolutely tremendous. And I was just really, really glad and, and kind of honored to uh, be able to share it uh, uh, for for myself as well as for Sci Fi Pulse. It was really something. It's, it's really cool in a way because in in, in so many ways um, you, you kind of like uh, from from that whole Kathy Coleman interview and the uh, interview with Wesley. Um, it's sort of like get on to this and that it's so it? you, you've yeah. had rolling coverage of Nando the Goss for the past three weeks. It, it really did, cool. yeah, you're right. No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it went from it went from oh meeting Kathy, how amazing is she to uh to it turning into I think that was that was, so then yeah, today's article would have been maybe the fourth or fifth. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of like a Land of the Wolves series. I just, I just love that we did it. I love that I did it. I love that it got good, you know, uh, a response, and you know, and I hope it added a little something for Sci-Fi Pulse because yeah, I think it will um, have because um, you know you don't see any other sites doing anything on Land of the Lost. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. the point, isn't it? You know, I mean, we 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 got it. We understood. Hey, this is important. Um, this had a. This was a. This was important. In uh, in that Saturday morning, Sid and Marty Croft, uh, you know, sci-fi history, so to speak, and um, no one gave it its due, but we did, and that's important, I think, mm-hmm. uh, because they deserve that show. That show for the three years that it was on, it uh, it, uh, it 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 did something for the folks. It, it took us away. It it, it transported us. You know, mm-hmm. it it, uh, it it gave us the escape that that it that it meant to do. And there's a reason that it was the number one show for that time. And uh, I'm glad that we covered it. And and uh, it's a shame no one else did. But hey, we did, and that's the important thing. I only actually vaguely remember it. I, rem- I remember bits and pieces of it from when I was a kid. But you know, when when it was shown here, it didn't really have any song like continuity as it were you know i'd see it on 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 the uh, during the summer holidays and you know you get a lot of stuff that they show when you nigga during the summer holidays and that was one of the things yeah. but i don't think they ever show the entire run of it um i'll tell you who is a fan of it um t sean hardy who edits these shows he's, he's a good friend of mine oh. and um he is a huge fan of land of the lost so I was thinking it oh. might, might be funny if we can get Sean on one of these shows with you and me, we can do a Land of the Lost, you know, we can let you two guys, you know, go around discussing Land of the Lost. Well, um, Ty, thanks as ever for being on. Um, we've gone long. It's about half an hour, so. Always a pleasure. You know, we just, you know, I was, I was, uh, I, I had the pleasure of going with Mark Lee, one of our contributors, to uh, uh, see Jay and Silent Bob's cartoon movie. Here in Orlando, they were, they were, they were, uh, uh, I don't think they debuted it here. They might have, but, uh, it was really a lot of fun, especially if you like, uh, uh, PS jokes and drug marijuana jokes and what have you, because, you know, a lot of the stuff they do is, Jay and Silent Bob is about that, but, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then both Kevin Smith and, and, and Jason Mewes, you know, spoke and, and did a live podcast from there. And Kevin Smith is huge about podcasts. He loves podcasting, and he, you know, uh, encouraged everyone to go out and do some podcasting. So if Kevin Smith is listening, you know, Kevin Smith, thank you. I took your advice, and here's my podcast going out to uh, <laughs> going out over the air, yeah. along with my good friend Ian. <laughs> it, it's, too, it's too bad we're not his biggest smodcast, but then, then again, we're not all Kevin Smith. But you know, we've got to start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know um, I actually listen to Kevin Smith's podcast whenever I get a chance actually um, I, I love listening he's to he's really something else yeah. oh and did you know and I'm going to be writing an article on it but also you know uh, Mark Lee was uh, called up and uh, uh, performed uh, 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 some simulated sex acts with Jason Hughes on stage that doesn't <laughs> so surprise me <laughs> that does there's not video su- on my Facebook page. There's video. Sorry, Mark, you know, uh, Mark knows this is coming, so no pun intended. Oh, so. me. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me in the least bit because when they do those live shows, you have that segment in the end where they where they have to reenact a film. Yes, yes, that's that's what it was, and, and it was a reenactment of. Uh, 
of, uh, um, what was it? <laughs> it was, it was Lando Calrissian on Bespin or something like that. It was <laughs> so, so Mark being the token black man was, you know, was apparently Lando Calrissian having sex with, uh, with Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny actually, because when I was, um, you know, I, I was actually private messaging Mark a few weeks back, you know, over, over something, you know, rather difficult that was happening with the website. Enough said there, I won't go yeah. into details, but uh, basically, by the time we got to the end of the messages, uh, he, at the time he had an avatar of uh, Henry Cavell, a Superman. <laughs> And I actually, I actually signed off on a message to him and says, you know, has anyone ever kind of told you that you, you kind of look like Henry Cavell? <laughs> and he roared nothing. <laughs> you know, he, saw, he, he just came back with, no, no, no. <laughs> Well, on that note, I could have think of a better note to sign off on, sir. Okay. Uh, I, I, always a pleasure. I love our podcast. Look forward to the next one. We'll do. This week, which is with um, Jamie Gray Hyder, who plays Danielle in True Blood. Uh, so, you know, without further ado, here's the interview. When you came in, the air went out, and every shadow filled up. I'd like to welcome uh, Jamie Gray to the show, who's um, been somewhat of a howling success on True Blood of Night. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I, I, I'm good, uh, but I've got my I've got my cat sat next to me and a gun loaded with silver buggets for protection, <laughs> J- just in case. <laughs> Um, I guess the first question I've got for you is, um, is, is so like, it's one that I like to ask a lot, um, is how did you get into acting? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Yes, um, I have been performing since I was very young. I did, um, I'm a classically trained singer and I sang when I was quite young and then got into theatre and went to college for theatre and film studies, did some stage on the East Coast and then moved out to Los Angeles um, four and a half years ago to do film and television. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how quickly was it before you got your first first job because I was looking at your profile on IMDB and uh, you, there's only three things up there so I, I'm, am I guessing mm-hmm. right I'm, I'm just wondering if you did mostly theatre initially 
Initially, I did do a lot of theater, and then I was out in L.A. for about three years, I think, before I booked True Blood. I had probably done around 800 or so auditions, um, and, you know, then I went I went for the audition. It was only one line, and, and I, I did the best I could, and I left, and uh, I got a call two hours later that I booked it. Wow. And that's, that's pretty, so it happened pretty quickly for you, then? It did. I shot a couple days later, so I had to watch four seasons of the show in about three days, because I had only seen a few episodes up to that point, just because I don't have a television, um, so I was then immediately had to go and watch all four seasons um, prior to the fifth one that I was in last season. So that was a lot of true blood in a couple of days, but I became hooked immediately. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good show. It's a really good show. Um, what you know. What was the audition process like for you? I mean, so like it's pretty quick, and you only had one line, so. Yeah, it um it was very quick. I assumed it was going to be more drawn out, um, but it actually went very quickly. I thought I was going to have to do several auditions, but after I just did the first, then they called and said, cool, you booked it, and I was guaranteed a couple episodes, but ended up shooting half of the season, which was amazing, and then they asked me to come back, which I was even more thrilled about, so I'm very happy right now. So, um, you, you'll probably be back for the, uh, for the next season, if there's another season after this one, right? I don't know. You know, I have to see what they do with my character. I don't, you know, we have to see if I make it through the end of the season. Uh, you know, we bring up the show is going to go another season. I, you know, I think I'd like to think they will. We're setting up for a lot of big stuff, but you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Well, go admit I've only really seen the first two episodes of the new series so far, which I think is same as I'm. I'm pretty much in line with those in the US. Um, and you know, I've got to say from your from from your initial scenes, you you make a pretty big impact um, because <laughs> you, you know your first scene's kind of like the alpha bitch scene. Uh, which kind of sets up that rivalry. Uh, how how do you actually think? Do you think that's going to simmer on for quite a while? Does it simmer on for quite a while? Is it, uh, you know, who is the alpha bitch? Is it you or, you know? <laughs> well, it's just, it's funny. You never know where your character's going to go. So. In this case, you know, Danielle's designed to be the alpha bitch, but then she backs down pretty quickly as soon as Kelly, uh, or Ricky, Kelly's character comes up and challenges her. So, you know, I think that while Danielle would like to be the alpha bitch, I think she'll have to step down to Kelly for a little while here. Mm-hmm. Well, well, from what I've seen of the um, of the actual wolf pack, it's, you know, it seems to have suffered from some pretty horrible leadership with former pack leader whacked out on vampire blood. Uh, would I be right to suspect that Al Seed is not going to have an easy time of it, or is it e- as easy time as as he would like needing this pack? You know, I think it's definitely going to be difficult. I think we're going to see a different side of Al Seed than we normally do. He's going to have to be a little bit more forceful and assertive in order to keep everybody safe and together in such crazy times. You know, the vampires are being attacked now, but we don't know who will be the next to be threatened. So the world, you know, he's just trying to step up and, and keep us all together because it's definitely an unruly bunch and definitely trying time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so he's, you know, was watching watching through last season and, and this season, you know, it's the the the, uh, the internal politics for this wolf, wolf this this wolf packet. So like, uh, it's you know, it's got some fascinating potential in, as far as uh, stories go. Um, are we going to be mm-hmm. seeing? Are we going to be seeing a lot of it this year? Do you think? You know, I think the show does really reflect a lot of what's going on in the real world, and we try and take those issues seriously when tackling them. And I think we will see a lot of that this season. You know, the, it's important that was a show that is so out there in some regards that they can still keep it relatable and, and, and true to what's going on in real life. And I think the show will always kind of have, you know, be making somewhat of political statements. Even if that's not our number one goal, I think there will always be a little bit of that, you know, taking social responsibility and addressing issues that are, that are currently going on in the real world. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, you, you're fairly new to the uh, series. You've only just come on board this season. Um, and as you said, you watched quite a bit of the series, um, you know, before before you took on the role. Um, what, what what would you say is the, the appeal for you personally? Um, you mean working on it or watching it? Well, kind, kind of a little both. Well, you know, I think the appeal of the show as a whole is just really attracts, you know, it really appeals to the senses. You know, it's this big, extreme thing happening, and it's definitely the core of escapism, which is what television entertainment is about, you know, getting to see all these fantasy characters and all these ridiculous, crazy situations, you know, but then actually having them move you, you know, in, in situations that are, in some cases, not relatable from the outside. They still manage to move you on a very human level, which is what I think the show does so well. So as a fan and as an actor, that's important to me. Um, and as far as working on the show, I, I, I feel so fortunate to be on a show that so, has so much support from the fans. And it's an amazing set to be on. The cast and crew are not only insanely good at what they do in professional, but they all have good sense, a good sense of humor. And we all get along and just have a good time while we shoot. We, you know, we have long nights, long cold nights, and it's important that keep, you keep morale up, otherwise it would just be a completely miserable situation. Mm-hmm. I, I bet. Um, I used to work in theatre, so, but I did, a, I, did a, I did experience a little bit of television. And uh, I do know for a fact that it's not as glamorous as, as, it, as it actually appears to be from the outside looking in because there's a lot of waiting around and a lot of reshooting of same scenes in order to get the different camera angles and, and all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. going on. So um, you, you've got to have a sense of humour and a, a camaraderie with, with the other actors in order to deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, you have to feel comfortable where you are, otherwise doing scenes like I did in the first episode, you know, becomes very tense, you know? But on the show, they're so great about making you feel comfortable, and, and that is something I'm very grateful for. Mm. Um, in, in the earlier seasons, you know, we've seen a fair bit of crossover between vampires, werewolves, and the other changelings. Um, we, we now have a situation, as you've, you've already um, touched on, where, where the humans have declared war on the vampires. Um, what is the likelihood of this war kind of having a knock-on effect and bringing, bringing the wolf pack and the other supernaturals into the midst? I think that so long as they're attacking any one of our groups of supernatural beings, you know, we all have to be worried because they're clearly making a point of separating the humans from the rest of us. So I think as this war progresses for the vampires, it continues to progress for all the shifters and werewolves and fairies and other creatures. And, you know, you really see that, especially with Luna having shifted at the end of last season. When Luna shifted on national television, she revealed an entire another system of supernatural beings that people weren't aware of. So that's only the tip of the iceberg there. So I think that, you know, that just adds to the heightened tension of the entire season because nobody feels safe. Mm-hmm. And the knock-on effects of that, obviously, is, uh, you know, Luna's daughter has been, you know, in the last episode, she was taken by the wolf pack. And uh, was that you that saw, like, smash Lafayette's face in? Yes. Um, yeah, Lafayette and I got into it, and unfortunately, it didn't turn out very well for him. Yeah, but um, you know, we're just trying to. We want. We got to protect Emma. She's she's one of us, and Martha's her grandmother. And Sam just doesn't. Have, Sam isn't as equipped to, to take care of her as we are as a pack. And and you know, Lafayette got in the way of that. And Danielle, you know, she's got an obligation to her pack, and absolutely has a loyalty. So you know, she's going to do whatever is necessary. Yeah, but the uh, you know the pack, you know, kind kind of met, you know met the met the vampires get hold of uh, hold of uh, Emma in the last. Serious, as yeah. Sam pointed out, you know, so you know, maybe the pack isn't as well equipped to deal with that. 
Yeah, you know, there's more of us, and, and you know, Sam doesn't know what it's like to be a werewolf. We definitely can, can teach her about who she is. You know, we have that line, and, and, you know, I have that line in the second episode, right? They're going to teach her to hate her own kind. Mm-hmm. You know, we just feel that she's better off with us. Yeah, but, you know, she she's also, um, you know, these, um, you know, what one of the parents was a changeling, the other one's a werewolf, so there's mixed blood there, isn't there? Yes, and, you know, she came out as a werewolf, though, so, you know, she had the chance of either being shifter or werewolf, and then she ended up being, you know, I guess her father won that genetic battle, and Marcus the old pack leader, you know, he was her werewolf father. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she is a werewolf and not a shifter is why we think she's better off with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that actually changes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's just just my, just a cogs in my mind turning. So I'm 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 a big fan of the show. I've mm-hmm. been watching it since the first series. So, um, are you likely to have any scenes with some of the other characters outside of the wolf pack as the season develops? Yes, you will see us interact more with some people that we have never interacted with. You know, I was really excited to work with uh, Nelson, who plays Lafayette last episode, and that, that you know. We had a great time with that. And, and throughout the season, yes, you'll see the wolves interact with some, some new and, and different people, which is nice because we typically stick to ourselves. But you're going to see it kind of, the world's going to broaden up and we're going to have to deal with some, some new characters. Cool. Yeah, and so like, uh, I'm just wondering if Lafayette's going to be around in the next episode because, you know, you, you, you gave him a pretty good beatdown in that. That's <laughs> what. I know. I don't know if he's going to recover or not. We'll have to see. I, I was scared. I was really scared. <laughs> I know. It was very, it was, you know, it was very intense scene, but we had a good time with it while we were shooting. It's just that when you watch it on television, you know, you see, you, we see your face very quickly, and then all of a sudden we just see your fist pounding on Gaffer. Yeah. <laughs> you just saw, like, yep. uh, damn. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, um, getting back to the uh, first episode, you were you had some pretty steamy scenes. Um, now it must be difficult to do those sort of scenes, given that you've often got a full film crew around. I mean, I, I'd be I'd be shy and a bit, you know, a bit of a scared bunny rabbit to do that sort, you know, you know, to actually <laughs> do that sort of thing. Because I'm, you know, I'm just so like really shy and coy anyway. <laughs> Anything like that. So, how do you deal with that? You know. Um, you know, obviously, there would have been a lot of support on the set for that sort of thing to uh, actually happen. Yes, you know, I'm not the first person to be naked on the show. You know, they're, they've got it figured out. They know how to make you feel comfortable. And we only work with, you know, a skeleton crew. Only who needs to be there in that moment is there. And everybody else goes to a different place. So you feel the privacy. And, and there's, they just take care of you as far as they've got warming tents and you've got robes on. And, and they're just courteous of your time. And, and everybody just wants to make sure you're comfortable the whole time. And, you know, everyone's on makeup. And then actually the camera guys and all that, they're all aware of the situation you're in. And so they want to offer you anything that you may need to feel comfortable. And I, and I did. I did feel comfortable during the scene. I mean, it was 30 degrees out, which was freezing. But, um, you know, the atmosphere itself was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, that, that, that must have that some damn good acting then, because you didn't look like you was freezing. No. Well, thank you. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you. You were you, definitely you, just trying not to convulse the whole time from being so cold. Mm-hmm. So I did, I did, you, you weren't shivering, there was no, and there was no, there was no sort of like a uh, telltale, uh, you know, steam coming out of your mouth, you know, because of the, uh, because of the cold. Yeah, they you know they do a very good job of hiding all that, mm-hmm. and we try to hide it as best as we can as well. Um, it's very very obvious, uh, you know, that your character is attracted to Elsie. Um, would you say this attraction, you know, goes beyond feelings of lust? You know, because obviously there's that there's that thing where you know you're lusting at a guy that's uh, that's in power, that's in control. 
So I'm just wondering if um, your your you know Daniel's feelings towards Elsie, um, you know, could potentially go beyond that. You know, I think as we saw last season, she's really an opportunist, and she was doing that just to really try and buy for his attention. And she kind of got shut down by Ricky, but I think she definitely asserted herself, and I think that was her goal. And you'll see, you know, the dynamics of you know the, the Wolves' relationships to one another. So, you know, it'll change and shift throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we, you know, we've we've not seen the uh, the end of the uh, of, of 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 the tension between between Dan Young and Ricky. Is going to be. There, you'll see some interesting dynamics as the season progresses. Okay. Uh, given that the, the uh, series can get kind of intense at times, and, you, and we have touched on this already, uh, you know, what, what sort of things do you guys sort of do to sort of ease the tension? And who would you say is the uh, practical joker on the set, you know, from your experience of working on show so far? You know, we've really always had a good time, and I've been fortunate enough to work with the same group of people for two seasons now. Um, and I really love everyone that I work with on the cast and the crew and everyone is just generally in good spirits and happy to be there and, and good at their job and all of that just makes for a really entertaining time and you really become close with one another um, and I just feel very fortunate to have landed on a show that's got such a great atmosphere like that mm-hmm. oh, um, Obviously your character Danielle has come she's come more to the fore uh, this series uh, than, than she'd say she was in the last series Um mm-hmm. Moving on, if 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 Trueblood gets picked up for another year, and and you get um you you get another year as a, as Danielle, uh, how, how would you like to see her evolve? I mean, you know, as you know, where where would you like to see her at? Say, 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 safety if the show's picked up for another season. You know, I'd really like to see her sort of come into her own without having other motives and trying to always impress other people and. You know, I just want to see her kind of become a leader herself as well. That would be really, it'd be nice to see her take a member, you know, take a position in the pack where she's got a lot of responsibility. And, you know, I think that that's her goal generally is just to assert herself in the pack and make herself valuable. So I think as, as if I were to, you know, possibly be in another season, I would just love to see her be a little more comfortable with herself and, and sort of develop more natural leadership versus always kind of trying to just please who's ever in power. I would love to see her kind of mature on her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that'd be kind of cool, you know, so I may, may Maybe the uh, maybe the wolf pack can sort of like form an elite squad <laughs> of werewolves yeah. or something, and you you could need that, you know. Um, there you go. Stranger things have happened. Um, in, in terms of in terms of other television series that are out at the moment, um, you know, obviously you, you're pretty strongly connected with True Blood right now, but. Um, out, out of other series that are out or that are coming out, is there, is there anything uh, particularly that you'd like to have a guest shot in? Well, I am working on another project right now, but I can't actually talk about it. Um, I will be able to talk about it hopefully in a few weeks here. I've been working on something for about six months and I've uh, had a really good time with it. It's a really neat project that I think a lot of the True Blood fans may actually be interested in as well. And it's a little bit of a departure for, for me from other things I've done in the past. But hopefully I'll be able to talk about it here in a few weeks. Okay, well that's cool. Um, but you know, um, in, in regards to other series such as you know we've got Game of Thrones out there and and you know stuff that's actually going on at the moment. Is there anything out there that you'd love to have? You know that you'd love to have a guest shot on. I would love. I would love to do something like Game of Thrones. I mean the the quality of the production on that show is just incredible and and I would love to just to stay within the HBO family. Um, with that said, I would also love to do some comedy. You know, possibly do some. 
get started on some, some of the great sitcoms that are out there right now and really get to kind of stretch my comedic muscles a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you could maybe you could go on Big Bang Theory and be, you know, and be, be Sheldon's next girlfriend, you know, put Sheldon's knife <laughs> in order. <laughs> I would love that. That would be so much fun. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering uh, how, how much of a difficult time you could give somebody like Sheldon because Sheldon's sort of like he, he enjoys his life in a particular order, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, I think that you know I have to come in and change a few things for him. Yeah, you know, throw, throw all his geeky merchandise out. That 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 that'll annoy him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that 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 actually annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, anyway, um, I, I'd like to thank you for your time. It's been really nice speaking to you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I really appreciate you uh, giving me a call. Oh, no. For no. watching the show. Thank you for watching. We've got the best fans ever, and that's going to be going to do it for you, know? No, no worries. I mean, I, I, you know, as I said, I've been watching since se- season one right through, and um, it's a show that I look forward to every summer. There's, there's True Blood and there's Burn Notice, both shows that I look forward <laughs> to every summer. And, uh, you know, you can't get two, two more different shows. <laughs> you know. Well, we're happy to have you as a fan. <laughs> okay, well, um, well it's, it's been great um, speak, speaking to someone from the show. The best of luck with it, and I hope you guys get picked up for another season. Thank you, certainly. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. I want to do bad things with you. Bad things with you This is the Emperor You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast Eat it Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast Join us, your hosts, Miles P. McLaughlin and Scott Herzog, as we serve up a delightful menu of science fiction interviews and news in the television, movie, DVD, and book world. Test your geek cred with trivia. Top off your meal with the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Come visit the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at scifidinerpodcast.com or subscribe to us in iTunes. We're serving up sci-fi from here to the end of the universe. And that about wraps things up for this week's show. Um, hope you enjoyed listening. Um, we, we, we have more exciting stuff lined up for you in the coming weeks, so, so please, please stay tuned. And, um, you know, tell, tell your friends about, sci, uh, about Sci-Fi Pulse Radio and the SFP Now and uh, the other great show we have on, on, the, um, on, 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 on the channel, which is uh, Genretainment. Which is now going is now going to be every alternate Tuesday's genre entertainment, and um, while that's going on, SFP now we're going to try and keep that as a weekly show. Um, so you know, please tune in, tell your friends, um, and remember you can actually um, you can actually subscribe to us on iTunes uh, via Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. So if you go into the iTunes Store and you're searching for a podcast, uh, just you know. Come up where it says keyword and type in the keyword Sci-Fi Pulse Radio, and um, we'll come up. You'll you'll see the uh, big logo Sci-Fi Pulse, and you just click on that and just click subscribe. And Bob's your uncle, you started. Um, anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. Bye. Offer the world order.